welcome in and welcome back to the Running Hoops Podcast, brought to you by Super Chicks. Join the Running Hoops Podcast Bracket Contest on ESPN, win the whole thing, and you will have a shot at a gift card to Super Chicks so that you can try out the last true chicken sandwich. All of those details can be found on my Twitter feed, at Running Hoops. Join the Bracket Contest today, eat a delicious chicken sandwich, and more once you win. On this episode, the first season of the Craig Smith era is in the books. As the running Utes bow out of the Pac-12 tournament in the first round, I'll give you my initial thoughts on the season and where they go from here. We're going to take a more in-depth look at the season in the coming weeks, but I want to give some quick reaction on that. We'll talk about the rest of the Pac-12 tournament as Arizona cuts down the nets en route to a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And we'll look at which Pac-12 teams will have a postseason as several are still standing with NCAA tournament and NIT tournament bids. Finally, I'll give you a couple of upsets that I like in the NCAA tournament, but I'm not going to give you my final four or champion because I don't want to give anybody a leg up in the bracket contest, especially somebody like Ben in Utah, who I know is listening and trying to get any sort of edge he possibly can. But first, big time breaking news today. A couple of items of breaking news on the podcast. First, Utah assistant Eric Peterson will be named the head coach at the University of South Dakota on Wednesday morning. Eric Peterson was with Craig Smith at South Dakota, went with him to Utah State, went with him to Utah. So he's been with Coach Smith for a long time, learned a lot from Craig, and now he takes over the big chair at South Dakota. This is obviously big news for both Coach Peterson, but also for the Running Utes program, as Coach Peterson was a top recruiter, primarily credited with getting a guy like Nimi Keita to Utah State and more closer to home, Will Exacte to Utah. Eric Peterson also was in charge of the schedule for the Renan Utes. So big shoes to fill for whoever comes in. I'm sure there's going to be some names thrown out there. We'll get to that in just a second. But I just want to say personally a big congratulations and a big shout out to Eric Peterson for getting this job. I guess you just never know what being named the assistant of the year on the Running Hoops podcast will do for your career. But if we were able to help him get this job in any way, we are happy that he now has that job. But seriously, congratulations to Coach Peterson. You will not find a better guy. I think he's going to do great things there at South Dakota. He's going to be missed here at the University of Utah. And we wish him nothing but the best moving forward. Hopefully, we'll be able to have him on the podcast here in the coming weeks. Obviously, he's going to be busy, but this is something that he's wanted to do for a long time. And now that he's not under the oppressive thumb of some of the media folks at Utah, maybe we'll be able to get that done. Where does Craig Smith turn for that assistant coaching position? Well, obviously, a lot of folks are going to be looking at a guy like Chris Burgess, who was rumored to have interest in the job last year. I think a guy like Cody Fuger, who we've had on the podcast here, would also be a really nice fit at Utah. He's got ties to the program as well. I would not be surprised to see Craig once again go outside the box like he did with Tim Morris and hire somebody that none of us are familiar with, none of us know. But I'm sure that names will start to come up 
in the coming weeks. Obviously, there's a big, you know, sort of coaching convention get together type thing at the final four. So we may not see news about a new assistant coach until then, but you just never know. And things move quickly now in the offseason, especially with guys jumping into the transfer portal and all of that stuff. So Craig certainly has his work cut out for him. I hope he didn't think he was going to go on vacation or anything because that ain't happening for a little while as he's now got a seat to fill on the bench. The other piece of breaking news today was that senior forward Riley Batten has announced that he has put his name in the transfer portal. This news doesn't come as a huge surprise. Uh, Utah honored Riley Batten on senior night, and it looked like that was going to be the way that this thing was going. Nevertheless, it's always difficult to say goodbye to a guy who has given four years to your school. He's played hard for two coaches, and I think I speak for all Utah fans when I say that we wish Riley nothing but the best moving forward, and I hope that he lands at one of those, you know, coastal California schools where he can have, you know, be by the beach, be by the ocean for his senior year, and really just kill it there. Riley, thank you for all you did at Utah, and we wish you nothing but the best. In the not breaking news category, but also the good news category, Marco Anthony, Mr. Do Everything, announced that he is going to return to the running Utes for another season. Marco comes back as the team's second leading scorer at 9.1 points per game, leading rebounder at seven per game. Now he does average about a turnover and a half per game as a senior veteran player on next year's squad. I'd love to see him cut that down a little bit. He also only shoots about 65% from the free throw line. So that is definitely something that Marco needs to work on before next season. But all in all, Great news for the Utes basketball program. Marco is probably the team's best defender. He's got a ton of experience now. He's played a ton of basketball in his career, and he is the type of senior leader that this team has not had in years. The kind of steady hand in year two under Craig Smith and his fourth year with the coach that will not only be helpful to the guys that are coming back, but guys coming in or who are considering coming in. I love the fact that Marco is going to be here on campus and helping the Utes recruit for the team next season. So very happy to have Marco Anthony back with the running Utes for one more year. All right, let's get into it. The running Utes season has come to an end as they fell to Washington in round one of the Pac-12 tournament, 80-72. to This one was close throughout the first half. Washington led by just three Going into halftime, but the Huskies pulled away in the second half behind 22 points from Terrell Brown Jr. It was one of those games where you're watching it and all of the things that plagued this team all season long just reared their ugly heads and you just realize that there isn't enough there right now. Jamal Bay, who averages nine per game, loves playing Utah as we talked about. He gets 19, so another great performance against the running Utes. Cole Bajma, 5.5 points per game. He gets 16 in this one. We talked about not letting those random guys go off in games like this if you want to win. And the the Utes did exactly that with Bay and Bajma. And they just had no answer for Terrell Brown Jr. He got what he wanted when he wanted to get it. The big number that really turned this thing for the running Utes was 16 turnovers to just 5 for Washington. And when you watch how Washington was defending Utah, they were jumping in the passing lanes. They were really overplaying on defense. And Utah had no answer 
for that. They couldn't do anything to get Washington out of that defense. And it just showed kind of they had, had how little respect they had for this Utah team offensively. Now, granted, Washington was a good defensive team. They forced a lot of turnovers all season. But this wasn't Matisse Thibel or David Crisp out there defending our guys. So just a rough, rough outing for this team in general for the last game of the season, as it turned out to be. All in all, a disappointing performance in a long line of, of performances that turned this season into a 12-20 and 20 campaign and 4-16 and 16 in Pac-12 play. If there was a silver lining in this particular game, it was that Marco Anthony led the team in scoring, and Madsen and Carlson both capped their seasons off with double-figure game, but it wasn't enough to get the Utes to the second round of the Pac-12 tournament. So this loss ushers in the offseason for the running Utes very, very quickly, which will no doubt see a few guys enter the portal and see the coaches recruit like crazy to try to get this thing turned around. I actually tried to, uh, David Jenkins Jr. had a live Instagram on Sunday, and I thought, oh, hey, maybe he's making an announcement. So I jumped in the live Instagram, and the first thing he says was, no basketball questions. So I jumped right out. But again, those decisions will be coming soon, and we will be on top of them as much as we can here on the podcast to discuss guys leaving and guys that are committed and everything in between in this offseason. We're going to go in-depth on all of the numbers for both the Utes and other teams in the league in a later podcast this offseason, but here's how the Utes did against all of the quadrants. In Q1 games, Utah was 0-7 and 0-1 in the non-conference. In Q2 games, they were 2-7 and and 1-1 and in the non-conference. Q3 games, 5-5 and and 3-1 and in the non-conference. And then Q4 games, they were 3-1 and and 3-0 and in the non-conference. They finished with a net ranking of 134 and a Ken Palm ranking of 121. Now that 134 is their lowest net ranking since net rankings were a thing back in 2018. They went 97, 85, 64, and now 134. So Utes with their lowest net ranking in program history four years. A couple of surprising things about these numbers, though. I didn't think that they played 16 quad one or quad two games. I would have thought that it was more like 10. So there were definitely some opportunities there, both in conference and out of conference, mostly in conference, but just didn't happen for them. They were eight and six in quad three and four games, and that's just not going to get it done. Even for the NIT, right? That's just not good enough. A number of those losses were close. I think Utah had six losses that were single-digit losses, maybe even more than that, but six jumps out in my mind. And so the margin between being 12 and 20 and something, you know, a little bit closer to NIT level, at least this season, like 17 and 15, is very, very thin. And, and the Utes just weren't able to break through in very many of those performances. On the podcast last week, we talked with Rocco Miller about who you beat and where. Utah only played four teams this season that made the NCAA tournament. TCU, Arizona, USC, and UCLA, and went winless against those teams. And so when you talk about moving forward 
what that's going to take and, and how they put their schedule together and all of that stuff. It's the committee looks at who you play and where you play them. And if you beat them where that is. So something for them to keep in mind as they get their schedule rocking for next season, the only one, two true road games this season and went two and one in neutral site games as well. Now we know that they'll play at least three neutral site games next season between the TCU game in Vivint Arena and their MTE in Fort Myers. They're going to get BYU on the road early in the season, I suspect, as well as Washington State in that first weekend of Pac-12 play in early December. But I would love personally to just see them pick up one more road game early in the season even if it's an in-state game or maybe close to Fort Myers, you know, get down the weekend before then. Just something to give this team some early experience on the road. I think it would be so beneficial for these guys to be playing in other arenas besides the Huntsman Center. So 12-20 and 20 is not what I thought they'd be, which makes it a disappointing year based on what I thought they would do. That said, there are some very good building blocks for the future in Gabe Madsen, Lazar Stefanovic, And there will be some good experience returning, presumably, in Carlson, Anthony, and Wooster. The challenge now for Craig and company will be finding guys that can complement the pieces that are already in place and letting them do what they do best. And for crying out loud, can we get Brandon Carlson some help in the front court? There will be plenty more time to break this all down, to talk about this season, to talk about next season. That is for sure, but those are my initial thoughts as the season wraps. As for the rest of the Pac-12 tournament, it was pretty chalky. The only upset was the 9 over the 8, and that was a buzzer beater when Stanford beat Arizona State in the first round. Now, Stanford did push Arizona in the next game, but other than that, all the seeds held all the way to Arizona beating UCLA 84-76 in the final landing the Wildcats both the regular season and conference tournament championships and certainly making some folks insufferable in the process. They did lose Kirk Carissa to an ankle injury, which could impact their ability to go all the way in the NCAA tournament. I don't suspect that that's going to be an issue you know, in this first weekend. We'll talk about their matchups later on, but if Carissa cannot get back, that could be an issue for the Wildcats. There was some talk by both Tad Boyle and Mike Hopkins about how the Pac-12 doesn't get the respect it deserves, essentially referring to the fact that the league will only get three teams into the dance, which, look, I I totally get that. You know, Colorado finishes at 70 in the net. They just beat Arizona. They were 21-11, and 12-8 and in the league. And I agree, that should be good enough to get you into the tournament, but it really should be good enough to have a better net ranking. But they, did, but they just didn't have the quality wins to break through. You look at the Buffs' schedule. They played Tennessee and Boulder and lost. They got nothing out of their MTE, which at a minimum could have resulted in a game against Creighton or Colorado State, which would have been a lot better for them had they won their first game. But they lost that first game, and they got slotted into the loser's bracket and missed out on that opportunity. And then they had this home game against Kansas canceled. So the Buffs were really close, but they just needed a few more games to have the right body of work to get into the tournament. As Jay Billis said on this very podcast early on in the season, 
The Pac-12 has a results problem. This is a matter of going out and winning games in the non-conference. It was very top-heavy. Arizona did it. UCLA did it. USC did it. Nobody else really got big wins. We talked about Oregon all season long. They were a middling team until they figured it out a little bit in the early part of the conference schedule, and then they faded down the stretch. Colorado, we just talked about. Washington State blew their opportunities at good games. And so... Even though there were a lot of quad one and quad two opportunities inside of conference play, the respect just wasn't there because these teams that were quad one and quad two victories just didn't have good wins to stack on their resume and have you say, look, I beat this team and they beat this team. Now, the good news is 11 of the 12 teams right now are locked into an MTE for next season with a lone holdout being Cal. And I suspect... Cal gets into an MTE. I have a feeling it could be that SoCal challenge. That seems like the perfect fit for them, but we'll see. In any event, those opportunities are going to be there once again next season. Okay, when we come back, some NCAA tournament and NIT talk right after these words from one of our sponsors. Let's talk about your sleep for a minute. How's that going anyway? Have you found, like me, that you can't quite get the right pillow to get the absolute best night's sleep? Enter Pillow Fight. Pillow Fight helps you invest in your rest. This is a new company that knows that your bedding is one of the most personal and important purchases that you make, and you should not lose sleep over trying to afford a good night's rest. Their premium pillows and bedding products will change your life, and they won't empty your wallet. Visit their website to check them out today at pillow-fight.com. Listeners of this podcast will receive a 10% discount on their first purchase by entering the promo code GOUTES at checkout. You can also check them out on Amazon and buy their products there. If you do that and they ask you how your purchase went, say, hey, I heard about them on the Running Hoops podcast. Check them out today at pillow-fight.com. That's pillow-fight.com. All right, well, six teams are heading to postseason tournaments Three are heading to the NIT, and three to the NCAA tournament. Colorado grabbed a four seed in the NIT, and they will host St. Bonaventure on Tuesday night. The top seed in their bracket is Oklahoma. North Texas is the two, and Mississippi State, who fired coach Ben Howland, is the three. Washington State is also a four seed in the NIT, and they're going to host Santa Clara on Tuesday. The top seed in their bracket is SMU. BYU is the two seed, with St. Louis as the three. Washington State could definitely use this NIT to launch themselves into next season and actually beat some teams. And finally, Oregon is a five seed, and I think that's how that works. They only seed the top four now in each bracket, but they play the Aggies of Utah State in Logan on Wednesday, and the Aggies are the four seed, so I'm just assuming the Ducks are the fifth seed. But Really cool opportunity for Utah State to get the Ducks in Logan in the spectrum. But for the Ducks, do they have anything left? Or do they just continue their slide, right? This is going to be one of those things where it's like, okay, you know, is Dana Altman and and this team, are they really engaged? Dana Altman talked about we wanted to go to the Rose Bowl, but now we're in the Weed Eater Bowl. So I got a feeling that Utah State might have something for the Ducks when they visit the spectrum on Wednesday night. It also just came out that Richardson and Dante will not make the trip to Logan for Oregon, so they may just be mailing it in 
on this one. Now, on to the big dance. Arizona got the number one seed in the South region. And they will play the winner of the play-in game between Bryant and Wright State. Now, apparently, Bryant, a fellow Sunshine Slam winner, by the way, has the leading score in the nation. And he apparently has a little bit of swagger. So watching him go up against Arizona in a 116 matchup could be kind of fun. Now, I expect if he gets there, if Bryant gets there, I expect them to be properly humbled by Arizona. But nevertheless, it could be fun. The Cats will get the winner then of Seton Hall, who's the 8th seed, and TCU, who is the nine seed. Now, obviously, we're familiar with TCU because we played them, and we will play them. I like TCU in that game, and I think it would be an interesting matchup with Arizona if it happens, only because TCU does have some size inside in Eddie Lampkin, and Mike Miles is a big, tough matchup. But Arizona will probably have too much for TCU in the end. Villanova, Tennessee, and Illinois round out the rest of Arizona's region in the top four, which is interesting because they beat Illinois, they lost to Tennessee, and they beat UCLA, who beat Villanova. So a lot of folks have the Cats getting out of the South, which should be interesting. UCLA ended up as the four seed in the West region and will play Akron in that 4-13 matchup. Now, we've seen a lot of 13s beat fours more recently, but UCLA figures to get past the zips. And if they do, they would get the winner of the five-seed St. Mary's and uh, the winner of the first-round game, play-in game, between Indiana and Wyoming. Also in UCLA's bracket, Baylor is the number one seed. They're banged up. Kentucky, always a tough out, as we know. And Purdue is the three seed. So UCLA definitely has an opportunity to make some hay in this region. No question about it. Finally, USC got a seven seed in the East, and they will take on the 10 seed Miami Hurricanes. Now, if the Trojans were able to get past Miami, they would get Auburn, more than likely. And I suspect that it would be difficult for USC to get back to a Sweet 16, given that draw against Auburn. But You never know. It is March. USC does have size and athleticism, but Auburn is, they are tough. They are a good, good team. The top four seeds in that region are Kansas, Auburn, Wisconsin, and Providence. Iowa, who just won the Big Ten, is also a five seed in that bracket. So that is a loaded, loaded bracket in terms of the number of teams that could potentially come out of there. Overall, This is going to be a difficult tournament to pick in terms of upsets. Every team that I was watching during championship week, and I said, okay, that's my team. That's my upset pick. I'm going to pick them no matter what. They got matched up with a higher seed that I also really like. So like South Dakota State and Providence or New Mexico State and UConn, on and on and on. Plus, you have some high major teams as lower seeds like Michigan, Iowa State, and Virginia Tech. I mean... Who are we kidding here? Those aren't upsets per se, but they're going to read as upsets. Here are a few first round upsets that I kind of like. If Indiana can get past Wyoming, I like them in that 12-5 over St. Mary's. That reminds me just a little bit of the Arizona-Utah 12-5 from a few years ago, where Utah was overseeded and Arizona was underseeded. And Arizona just ran Utah off the court as a 12 seed. Colgate came close last year against Arkansas. So will this be their breakthrough year? I'm not sure. Wisconsin would would be a very, very tough out. I don't know if I'm going to pick that. But 
Colgate, they come back with some experience. They they gave Arkansas a tough test a year ago. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Both Vermont and New Mexico State have that chance to be that breakthrough 12-13 matchup for the Sweet 16. I'm not sure I'm going to pick both of them, but I'll probably end up picking one of them. The question is, which one do you have a better feel on? That New Mexico State team is old. They've got a lot of experience. Former Ute Donnie Tillman is on that team. So that could be... That could be a really tough out for UConn, but UConn's also very, very good, so could be a tough one there. I got this sneaking feeling about Montana State, who will probably, who I'll probably pick and then lose a bunch of points to on Texas Tech getting to the Elite Eight. You know how sometimes that matchup just comes up and you're like, hmm, that's a 413 that I got my eye on. Loyola Chicago should be a tough out for Ohio State. Definitely could beat them. Like I said earlier, South Dakota State could take out Providence. One thing that is so tough to do in these tournament games when you're picking them is to overcome that recency bias with teams like Iowa, Tennessee, and Virginia Tech and others who have just gone on these big runs to win their respective conference tournaments. They're obviously playing really well, but the question is, is do they then have enough to go on another multi-day or week run to get themselves to the second weekend or final four of this tournament? And I'm just not sure with any of those teams, although they all had very, very impressive runs. So no final four, no championship pick for you just yet, because I hope to be in a bracket challenge with all of you. But those are a couple of games that I like as potential upsets in the tournament. All right. That is going to do it for this episode of the Running Hoops podcast. I will be a guest on the Social Hall Sport podcast this week with Christian Judd and Andrew McCullough and all those guys over there. So check that out. That should be a lot of fun at Social Hall Sport on Twitter. Join my bracket contest on ESPN. Those details can be found over on my Twitter feed at Running Hoops. You can win a Super Chicks gift card. So that's something. It's definitely not nothing. Also, I had a really nice review come in this week on Apple Podcasts. So please keep those coming. Rate us, review us, all of that good stuff. But until next time, I'm Andrew Crowley. This is the Running Hoops Podcast. And as always, go you.